0: Hey guys, what's going on? It's Jeff a quick note before the show begins the audio from these podcasts mostly come from live video YouTube streams on my channel They may vary in quality from show to show and reference visual content not described to you the listener I'm sorry about that If you prefer video to go with this audio head over to youtube.com backslash from us F-r-u-m-e-s-s for the whole enchilada who doesn't like a whole enchilada anyway? It's time for the show to begin tonight. Welcome to Night of the Fromis. (sighs) Welcome to the show. Um, yeah, we're doing number two of Night of the From Us. I'm excited. I am. Oh, shit. Did I totally forgot. Wow. That's COVID brain. That has never happened in all my broadcasts. Let's see if we can fix this right now. <sighs> oh, my God. I actually started the broadcast without turning on my microphone. I probably sound like garbage right now. I always sound like garbage. Wow. Do I feel embarrassed, man? How many broadcasts have we done? How many times has that happened? Somebody, if anybody is out there watching, can somebody confirm for me that we are okay? Oh man, I'm so I'm so annoyed with the situation. We're gonna we're gonna fix this right now, though. It's gonna get fixed. It is gonna get fixed. I'm gonna make it happen. I'm gonna make it happen. Um, I've got a splitting headache. What Jeff, why you might ask yourself, Jeff, why why is Jeff friggin' broadcasting when he has a splitting headache? Because what else am I gonna do? Stuck in COVID quarantine for however long. <laughs> um, I wouldn't wanna spread my Jewish plague everywhere, right? Um So, yeah, so I'm here and broadcasting. No, no, I wanted to listen. The first one got a bunch of views, a lot more views than I thought it would. So I wanted to see if we could do a second one. That would be very interesting to watch. So that's what we're doing. Let's check to see if the uh, microphone is working. Yeah, it's tuned in. But can anybody confirm? All right, I'm just going to turn this on for one split second. Let's see. Chris is asking, what is the topic? The topic is a, this show is a potpourri show. Yeah, the topic is a, this show is a potpourri show. That oh, sounds okay. It sounds okay. All right. We're, we're going to, we're just going to go on with the show. Hopefully it works out. It's a potpourri show. There's a lot of, there's a lot of topics. We're doing a whole bunch of stuff tonight. A whole bunch of stuff. But let's begin with how did I get COVID? I got COVID. I think I don't know how I contracted covid. I got covid um driving back from Virginia. We uh we went to the Alamo Drafthouse in Winchester. I saw my film Romeo's Distress play on the Alamo Drafthouse big screen. It was awesome. Um my film has played on big screens before, but I'm a big fan of the Alamo Drafthouse. So it was I guess it was kind of like if you're a if you're a, in a band and you're a big fan of like CBGBs or the Whiskey a Go Go or something like that it's like getting to play a, a sacred venue, I guess would be the best way to equate it to. So the, the Alamo draft house, because to me, the the draft house, that is my, that's my church. That is my cathedral. That is my, my synagogue, my place of um, not worship per se, but like, you know, that's my, that's my church, man. That's totally my church. And I love it to death. So that was awesome, but I totally contracted COVID on the way there. It was something for genre blast film festival. However, This also happened. This was an amazing development. So as you guys know, I do write original songs in addition to uh, doing misfit acapella nonsense. And, you know, in Romeo's distress, I wrote, you know, I'm a big fan of cult films that have like original music in them. I feel like an, an essential element to a good cult film has music in it. You know what I'm saying? So that that's what I did for Romeo's distress. I did that on purpose. but, um, you know, I was in target one day and I just started hum- I started, you know, sort of singing this song to myself. And lo and behold, came up with this song my my boy Nick, Nick sound, he did the recording, and we put that in the movie too. However, this this little ditty, we this little ditty just came out of nowhere, um driving at five o'clock in the morning. On the way to Virginia from New York, we uh, we passed by the Lamp Lighter Motel in uh, Bethel, Pennsylvania. As the sun was rising, we were driving. Myself, my friend Jack, and my friend Matt. Matt was asleep, and um, we were. <laughs> we were driving and I just saw the lamplighter hotel and it had this really cool, go Google it, go Google what I'm, you know, I could just pull it up since we're pulling up a lot of stuff, but um, it had these interesting like torch lights out front, lamplight, I guess is the best way to describe it. And uh, it just had a really like sort of like retro. It was a motel. It wasn't a hotel. What's the difference between a hotel and a motel motel um, usually is one or two levels. And a hotel is, Multiple levels with many, 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 many rooms. Um, so this is the Lamplighter Extended Stay Motel. I'll tell you something if I was writing a screenplay and I was getting paid um, lots and lots of money, um, a, a pipe dream that we all, all of us writers, wish that would happen in some way, shape, or form, I would definitely stay at the Lamplighter Motel. And, um, the, you know, the way for me when I try to compose little ditties. It never comes by way of melody, like songwriters and musicians. Usually, I don't know. I always hear them talk about melody for me um, because I don't because I I don't i am not musically trained. It always starts. Well, yeah, it does start with melody. Sorry, it does start with melody, but it always comes by way of lyrics. So I hear a lyric and I try and come up with the melody instead of coming up with like the riff or a guitar part or a piano part because I don't know how to play any of those instruments. So now I'm going to play you my new song, The Lamp Lighter Motel. Ready? And, you know, it's funny. It always starts with just like one or two lines. And then it just goes. And the thing is, this is going to get used in something new that's coming up. I can't tell you what it is yet. Um, one last thing I want to tell you, we booked. I booked the probably the biggest guest on the channel um, that we've had thus far. This is so exciting. This is huge. I mean, this is a major guest. This is a big guest. Not that like Steve Zing isn't a big guest, or Paris Mayhew from the Cro-Mags was a big guest. Um, you know, we've had a lot of interesting guests, but like this guy, I consider to be a major. This guy is like a major name in punk. I feel like you know, obviously people people know like you know uh, those other guys too, but this guy, I don't know this guy. He's he's he has a he he's sort of like I guess you might even call him an icon. I would say if you were if you were constructing a sentence, you would put him along with Ian Mackay and Henry Rollins and you know people like that. You know even Glenn Danzig like that. And, and so I'm like really, really, really excited. Um, I have not seen Batman Derpy Gaming. No spoilers. I I was supposed to see Batman on Saturday, but I have COVID. So I cannot see Batman. Do not talk about Batman, please. Ravner says, I'm from Austin, Texas, and I remember when the Alamo Draft House was on Colorado. A lot of good times there. Great place. Can't wait to see the Batman. Dying to see it. So excited. All right, ready? Let's do it. Let's go into it. All right. One. Two. Thank you, Chris. Chris says, I wish you the best, and I hope you feel better soon. Thank you. Well, all covid it up. I'm going to try and do this. Ready? One, two, three. At the Lamplighter Motel, you can get away from your problems. So take a trip down the road at the Lamplighter Motel. At the Lamplighter at the lamplighter leave your troubles in a drawer because you never know what's in store go down to the aldi frozen foods if you're feeling in the mood they got shrimp and lobster souffle you throw it in the microwave and it's a party at the lamplighter at the Lamplighter, you can get away from your problems. You can get away from your problems. The jacuzzi tub is always clean. The staff is never ever mean. I met my love at the sauna next door. I am so grateful for my amour. At the Lamplighter. At the land and then you know every song you're supposed to have like a middle eight, right? Because that's just like the same repetitive thing there's not much to it. so then there's I don't know how this goes yet. it's like it has to be a dynamic contrast. The sun always rises, no matter how dark it can get. oh that's what it is. So it's a two-part harmony. It goes it's the sun always rises the sun always rises. The sun always rises. The sun always rises. And then the other part is, no matter how dark it can get. No matter how dark it can get. No matter how dark it can get. And then it goes back into, on the lamplight to hotel, you can get away from your problems. So take a trip down the road. At the Lamplighter Motel. Yeah. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) That, uh... Oh, oh, I have COVID brain. What will I do next? What will I do next? Oh, my God. (laughs) It's a party. My poor wife is upstairs taking care of our two kids. My dad just got COVID too. It's so fucked, dude. It's so fucked. What's up, Ace? We're gonna, we're gonna have Ace on the show too. I actually just talked about it. Ace, I'm gonna, I'm gonna email you. I promise. I've been meaning to email this dude. And you know what happens? It's like a thousand things come up, a thousand ace, wait. Oh, Ace, you are going to like you're going to like who's coming on the show as well. I'm very excited to have Ace on the show and, and chat with him. And um, uh, I want to make sure I'm well, well prepped for that. But to answer Ace's question, uh, do I have a guitar, Jeff? Do I play any instruments? I don't. I don't. But the funny thing, Ace, I write tons of songs. I write songs, but they're not necessarily good. I'm not. I, I know I can't necessarily carry the melody or whatever. Or I can't hear the notes. It's just it's like a fun, passionate enthusiasm thing that I like to do. I don't do it because I think I'm good at it. I do it because I like it, you know, that sort of thing. Uh and uh yeah, man. Yeah. Oh catchy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for indulging me. Thank you for indulging at the Lamplight Hotel. <laughs> It's that it's the COVID brain. I am I got. I'm going foggy. Thank you, Chris Morant says. He says Jello, Jello Biafra. No, it's not Jello Biafra. But you could put him right next to Jello Biafra. I'm not going to tell you. I I, don't, I want to announce it so badly, but I have been down this road before. I never announce someone until I it's been recorded. Once it's recorded and in the can, I will announce the guest. But let's put it this way. I have them scheduled for Sunday. It's not going to be live. I'm doing it on Zoom. I have them scheduled for Sunday. And I am so – I'm intimidated. I'm a little scared because, I, you know, I feel pressure. I want it to be the best show ever, you know, that kind of thing. (laughs) We got to get you a keyboard. or You know what, Ace, you know what I need? I need a a Casio like Wesley Willis. I think I could be like a Wesley Willis – sort of song composer that's who i am that's you know what that's what i'm going to say from now on in the future i am a wesley willis uh level musician i think that's the way way to do it oh man what it, it, it let's that would be crazy Lee Ving. holy crap what a what a what a guy uh, wouldn't that be an interesting pick um he he is he is as big as leaving i'll just say that lamplighter hotel is a cool name i was enamored by the name that's how it always starts i I, you know you just see something and creativity strikes you know i will tell you this like for those of you who've watched again this is a potpourri show so we just talk about anything for those of you who have watched yeah rock and roll mcdonald's rock over london rock on to chicago lick a camel's sweaty ass um If any of you have ever been to Chicago, you must or go to Chicago. You must visit Rock and Roll McDonald's, the very famous Rock and Roll McDonald's right next to Porto's. I used to live in Chicago and we used to pass by Rock and Roll McDonald's all the time. And if you don't know why it's called Rock and Roll McDonald's, just Google it. Yeah, you're right. A keyboard guitar, guitar. You need it, Jeff. Yes. Yes, I like that. I like I'll put guys. I have some other. I'll play you some of my tunes. I played. I played. Um, I played that cover of the Yokes that I did. I played. What else did? I? You've never listened to Why Does Love Have to Be This Way? And I wrote a song called Cheesecake of Love. Ah, uh, Jack Grisham of TSOL. I would love to have Jack on. I am a huge, huge. I was just talking about that with Ace on Twitter. I'm a huge fan of TSOL. Big, big, big fan. Um, and Jack is an awesome dude. Awesome, awesome dude. Real character. That one. Um, you, you are definitely going to like who I have though. I promise I am not hyping this up for a tiny channel to get a name like this was cool. It was cool. And I'm very grateful, but it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Exact mom. Cheesecake of love. It goes cheesecake. of love. It was a cheesecake. I'm not going to sing it now. I can't, I can't do it here. I'm going to post the link for anybody who wants to hear cheesecake of love. I have to find it. It's on my YouTube page. Go search cheesecake of love on YouTube. And you can hear cheesecake of love. We're not going to maybe we'll play it a little bit later in the show. Actually, that's what we'll do. Um, My friend Nick arranged it on a ukulele. I met a girl. I told her I I wanted I wanted cheesecake. No, I met a girl. It's kind of like a rewrite of Donna a little bit. There's a little bit of Donna. Yeah, I definitely it's like a I'm like a jingle guy. That's what it is. All these songs are like jingles. But, you know, it's fun. It's fun. I understand why musicians write songs and make music. I totally get it, man. I get it. I get it. All right. I will get better. All right. Let's get into our stuff for the show. And if anybody wants to chime in with a topic or like this is a discussion show. So if you want to weigh in, if you want to like, if you have anything that you want to discuss, preferably, I mean, we could talk misfits, but like, you know, I mean, we always talk misfits. So like, you know, we could do other punk stuff, whatever. But let me, let me just go into some of what I have. I I wouldn't quite call this a news show. Right. It's not a new show, but it's like, you know, just discussing anything. Just trying to experiment here. So this is the first thing up. Who is a Futurama fan? I am a big Futurama fan. Love the show. It's super surreal to think that Futurama has been on the air for on and off 22 years. This is the third revival of Futurama. The first one. I don't know when it cashed out the first one, but then they were doing probably had five or six seasons. Then they did the uh, direct-to-video movies. That was the second revival. And then the third revival was they had a newer revival. And then, so actually, this is the fourth revival, except that this fourth time that they were reviving it, they were going to do so without uh, Joe DiMaggio. DiMaggio? Is that how you pronounce it? DiMaggio? I don't know. DiMaggio. I think it's DiMaggio. Uh, Comedian, voiceover actor. I mean, the the show is the anchor of Joe is, sorry, COVID brain. Uh, Joe is the anchor of the show Futurama Bender. The whole show is, you know, anchored by him and the idea that you're going to do a fourth revival without Joe because you can't find an agreeable contract is unconscionable and inappropriate, Um, especially with such a diehard cult following. And have they followed through with that and not given Joe what he needed? because that was what it was ultimately about. It was about pay, and it was about, like, everybody getting paid, not just him, but everybody getting paid uh, well. And they finally came to an agreement. Yes, that's known as Bendergate. Mom, Legora, it's Bendergate, and I'm glad it was resolved. Uh, I'm not going to talk about, hey, Ravner, I can't talk about the 87 demos because we've done it already. Um, we Go look for the Greg Fasolino episode where Greg interviewed Glenn Danzig. Great, uh, unreleased interview from my friend Greg who I also had on the show. So I, I don't even know if we need to read this. anyway. I'm back, baby. Uh, he said in a Bender approved statement, so damn grateful for the love and support of the fans and the colleagues alike during this whole time, especially my wife, Kate. I cannot wait to go back to work with my Futurama family. Bender gate is officially over. So put, put it on the back of the shelf behind Xmas decorations, or maybe in the kitchen drawer with all the other crap you put in there. Like, the old, unusable, crazy glue, or maybe even put it in a jar uh, in the jar you save your farts in. I'm pretty sure narcissists are the only people that put their farts in jars. And let me tell you something. I have learned a lot about narcissists over the last few years. And here's the number one lesson I've learned about dealing with certain types of nar- narcissists. If you're dealing with a narcissist who saves their farts in jars, num- the best way to deal with them. Don't. Don't. Just run the other direction. You will never, ever convince them. You will never. It, it, it is just either their way or the highway. It's nuts. It is nuts. It is fucking nuts. They're not worth your time, your mental anguish. They are self-centered, crazy individuals, and they're just not meant... It's just... You don't have to deal with them. You, you don't have to deal with them anymore. Um. So, yeah. <laughs> Farts and jars no but it's so true though man it's so true i I read on this thing about psychology it says like what's the number what number one way to like to handle a narcissist don't just don't do it just don't just turn right around and walk in the other direction um though dimaggio primarily voiced uh voices sassy robot bender who says bite my shiny metal ass he also brings a number of secondary characters to life you know the way it works is i believe that voiceover voiceover pay unless you're like a big time uh uh, honcho works as follows you um you you can do you can have a voiceover artist do as many as three roles before you have to pay them more money so if you hire someone to be a voiceover, I was, you can have them as three different characters before you have to start paying them more money. If you give them a fourth character, then they have to uh, they you have to give them a bump uh, like that. Um, so this is so. Here, so the original sh- series was from 1999 to 2003. Then um, Comedy Central revived it uh, 2008 to 2013, along with some straight to video movies in between. And then uh, it happened uh, again now. Okay, so I guess this is technically being considered the third revival, but I feel like those TV movies were actually the second revival. So it's, it's this is the fourth to me. Ace, so Ace, can you confirm this then? Ace says he's done a ton of voiceover. That's good to know. We'll discuss that in Ace's episode. Um, Ace, what is the what, what are the rules? Am, do I have it correct? Uh, there is some truth to that, he says. Okay. Without, without diving too deep, there is some truth to that. I knew I wasn't too far off. In any case, I'm really happy. Artists should always be paid what they're worth. You should always pay anybody what they're worth if they're doing work for you, okay? You shouldn't work for free. You shouldn't be taken advantage of, and you shouldn't work for, for less, okay? Always work for more in life. And so I'm very happy that uh, I hope everybody got the bump that they deserved for doing another revival. Because you know Hulu is going to benefit very nicely, and it's coming to Hulu. I love Hulu, $5.99 a month. It's great. Uh, Ace says I don't know specifically how many, but with a big but, let's exit out of this one. We're, we're done with this article. Been moving on. We'll wait for Ace to finish what he was saying stop the share stop the share um at the lamplight hotel you can take it. yeah I, that song is very in, infectious um hello let me put my mask on if you're coming in here laundry room is right over there and i think my wife just came downstairs is she here no she's not never mind carry on carry on and my my mask ready. I miss my children terribly. My little two and a half year old. She's like, Daddy, Daddy. She has that like thing where she like is formulating where she's like, Dad, 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 Dad. But it's also interesting because then she she knows words like apologize, so she like goes back and forth. <laughs> um. Huh. That's so interesting. So Ace says he voiced four to five people in a season of Money Heist on Netflix, and it was one day's rate. Huh? That's interesting. So, it's, so that's what they do. They take what they take talent, and they go, "Okay, we got you." So what it sounds like, and again, Ace, correct me if I'm wrong or speaking out of turn here, but it sounds like they booked, you know, they booked him for a one day's rate, and they're like, "Okay, we got him for a day. Let's have him do four, four or five voice characters." Now, in the independent horror film world this happens all the fucking time what you'll do is you'll see a lot of the actors that do the convention circuit and there's nothing wrong with that by the way when i say convention circuit i'm just saying if you're on if you're a horror star of note that does the convention circuit you're usually you have a day rate as an actor and let's say let's say it's $3000 a day for a character actor that was in a ton of horror movies in the 90s or something like that what independent filmmakers will do is they will they will book that actor for anywhere from 1 to 2 to 3 days max like a weekend they book or they get a deal where they book the actor for the weekend and then they shoot everything with that actor in that one weekend and get and then they put that actor on the face of the poster the actor is actually selling the movie you know and i don't know if he does this now but like you know It's funny. There are some actors that have worked so much in that kind of way that they actually devalue the movie or they devalue the movie to distributors because they're so overly saturated. Prime example, Eric Roberts, brilliant actor who's in so much mainstream. stuff. He was great on The Righteous Gemstones, but um, he was in that he was in that sort of like independent world for many, many, many years. And he booked himself so many times in movies. I mean, he was doing, I don't even know how many movies he was doing. Lifetime movies to to direct TV TV movies and stuff. He booked himself to on so many movies that he um, that he sort of devalued his brand, you know, and that's really stupid. It's stupid to devalue your brand. Don't devalue your brand, everybody. You wouldn't want to do something stupid like that. That would be dumb. Um, It's got to be hard being away from family. Yeah, it is. It sucks. Um, I I mean, I I don't care about I really I I feel bad for my wife because she's working and she's like taking care of the kids. Usually we like, you know, we alternate bathing and, you know, that sort of junk. Um, It's just it's a full load for her. And she's going back to Israel um, with her. She's a teacher. She's going back to Israel with the students on a trip. Um, which is nice because the school is footing that bill uh for a field trip. It's a, she works at a, a Jewish school, Jewish, like day school sort of thing. And um so she's going to like be able to sort of get away. It'll be she'll be working, but at least she'll be, you know, get a little bit of a break. But this sucks right now. This uh, dude having kids and COVID, my daughter's on Vax too. She's two, two and a half. So it's like, that's fucked. That is so fucked. And. And then my dad somehow just got COVID too. which just fucked. We made it two years into this fucking thing without getting COVID. And then we got COVID. Well, supposedly, I mean, I might've had COVID in February uh, 2020. And December 2019, I might've had COVID. I'm not sure. That's a whole other story. I don't want to get into that. But I know it's kind of like a conspiracy theory about like, oh, COVID didn't come here until January 2020. But like people were getting like super sick even in December you know, I always hear that. Oh, yeah, I was really sick in December. I think COVID might have been here a little bit earlier than they thought. Um, I'm not a conspiracy theorist at all. I'm just saying, like, we we all got devastatingly ill. Like what I'm feeling right now is what I had in December. So it's very possible that I might have COVID. That's all I mean by that. I'm going to stop talking about this now. Um, Ace says, yeah, it was dub- it was a dubbing job, though. OK, so, yeah, right. While you're here. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, while you're here, could you just voice four other or other characters for us? Um that's funny. Uh okay. Let's go into our next topic. We're, we we want to keep this show moving along cuz that's the goal of Night of the us Night of the us All right, this is this is this I thought was interesting. Um did uh, Dave Grohl, who is always, always in the news for one thing or another. Nice man of rock and roll, Dave Grohl, who I love, by the way. I mean, everybody, you know, old punkers find Dave Grohl to be un- insufferable. I-, I know of so many who just can't stand Dave Grohl. You know, uh, King Buzzo from the Melvins, he he has a whole thing with Dave Grohl. But you know what I think the reality is? I think those Melvin guys sort of resent n- Nirvana. Um, because at the end of the day, it was Nirvana that not, I'm not taking away from their talent or anything, but they got signed to sub pop. Was it sub pop? They got signed for their love. Houdini would never have been signed to a major label if it was not for Nirvana. And I think that bothers them. They've been completely successful on their own without Nirvana. Nirvana is just like a cool side fact to who the Melvins are or whatever it is that they do. And they're incredibly prolific and incredibly creative. I mean, just true musicians uh, through and through, always experimenting, collaborating, always searching for the sound. It's cool stuff. But whenever they talk about Nirvana in interviews and maybe they're, they have Nirvana fatigue, I would imagine if every like if it's like you're in a band and you have your own success and someone's asking you about like this iconic person because, you know, they, you know, the freaking fucking Kurt Cobain from Nirvana. But I also, when I've watched clips on YouTube, I just get this feeling that it's just sort of like, uh, like a, I really resent you because my success kind of came from you a little bit in the sense, or in the sense of, or, or at least, how about this? How about this? They got a, they got a push up. They got They got a bump from Nirvana. I, I don't think that can, that that's not, that's not, uh, inaccurate, right? Like they, they kind of got a bump from Nirvana. In any case, besides those people, everybody loves Dave Grohl. He's a sweetheart. He's collab and he's collaborated with everybody, dude everybody he's collaborated with paul mccartney paul mccartney fronted a nirvana i say that in quotes reunion because it was the entire band of nirvana with paul mccartney paul vana paul vana or Mac (laughs) macavana it's a great track too it's called cut me some slack off of the uh sound city thing in any case he's talking about ringo Dave Grohl's sympathy for Ringo star in the Get Back documentary. If you haven't seen Get Back, we did three. We did we did over seven or eight hours on Get Back on this channel. We did three episodes, one episode for each uh segment. I took I, I took fastidious notes, observations, and then we just went through them. And it was a long, arduous process. And I loved every second of it. Um, it's something that we will probably eat off of for years to come. We will just look at it and re-examine it. Um, And, you know, this is like, I would call this like the secondary wave, the the secondary trickle effect where, you know, we're we're just getting all these interesting sort of um, ways to come at, get back. And here's Dave Grohl, who's collaborated with Paul McCartney, and he knows Ringo Starr. And we all know that Dave Grohl's a big Beatles fan. He's talking about his sympathy for Ringo Starr probably as from a drummer's perspective in get back documentary. Let's see what he says. Dave Grohl says he, he kept his eyes on Ringo Starr while watching the recent Beatles documentary. Get back. (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, The Foo Fighters leader who plays, who played drums with Nirvana Queens of the stone age, them crooked vultures. I mean, Think about that. Not only is he in Nirvana, but he's also, you know, the the founding guy of the Foo Fighters. He also played in Queens of the Stone Age with Josh Homie, home, homie, whatever. And then he played with friggin dude from Led Zeppelin in them crooked vultures. uh, John Paul Jones, I think it is. It's kind of crazy. He says he found himself in in familiar territory as star sat in silence amid long conversations between Paul McCartney, John Lennon and George Harrison. That's interesting. And that happened a lot. Ringo was, was, was so quiet. And you know what? I took his quietness to be, I'm sure Dave, whatever Dave is going to say is going to be different from what I'm going to say right now. I think I haven't looked yet. Um, What, what's interesting is what's interesting is he, he, hold on. I'm trying to form. I have a, a cloud in my head. I, It's like literally your brain, like you can't think of things that come out of your mouth. Like there's a disconnect. It's weird. Um, (laughs) This is terrible. Oh, right. What I was saying about about Ringo Starr, uh, what I how I viewed him. There was like a I felt like this weird sort of confidence. I didn't sense any insecurity. I didn't sense any insecurity from Ringo Starr and like who he was and his security. He's just seemed, he truly did seem like a rock in every sense of the word. And you know, the drummer is the rock, right? The drummer is the heartbeat and the backbone of the band. You're, you know, they, there's a famous saying your, your band is only as good as your drummer. You know? So for all those who, who crap on Ringo, I, I am a, I am a, a passionate, passionate um, uh, uh, Ringo supporter for all those who, who, who crap on Ringo and say he's untalented or he's just lucky to be there. Ringo is the heart. He's the heartbeat of that band. You know what I mean? Always waiting, always ready to go. There's so many reasons. I did a whole video about why the Beatles were lucky to have Ringo in the band. It's on this channel. You should check it out. That one has like B-roll and stuff. It was me trying to do an actual scripted video. I don't do them often because they take a lot of time and I don't get a lot of views on them, but they are fun to do. Um, Asked by The Guardian to choose his favorite recent book, Grohl named McCartney's title, the lyrics, saying, I'm familiar with every one of Paul McCartney's songs, and I could probably recite most of them off at of the top of my head. Uh, but to have this new perspective coming from the writer explaining the songs himself, it's really rewarding. It humanizes the whole process. Um, speaking of the Beatles, he continued, I did love the documentary get back too. I watched Ringo the entire time. I know what it is like to sit on a drum stool and watch a bunch of people argue. All you want to do is play a beat. Come on, F it. No more words. I think there's, de- there's, that's definitely in get back for sure. But I think it's a lot more. I think maybe it's more complicated than that a little bit. Grohl recently admitted he didn't understand the Grammys award process. And and in the new interview, he also revealed that he didn't understand the concept of non-fungible tokens, the NFTs. I guess this is kind of a nothing. Is that it? Is that all it is? That's it? Oh, man, I thought this was a big, fat nothing burger, huh? Dave Grohl's sympathy. Wow. Talk about making a meal. And people get mad at me when I'm like, oh, got a Glenn Danzig interview. Oh, I have a dial interview. Oh, it's part of the Misfits and Misfits And like, (laughs) shame on you, VCR, classic rock and culture magazine. How dare you? I call shenanigans. No, I was expecting more from that. Yeah, but it's interesting. It's interesting to to sort of see Ringo through it all. He's so quiet. He's uh he's a bit stoic at times, and he is the rock, dude. He is the rock, and every he's waiting, uh, he's waiting with bated breath at all times to do uh to just play a beat, and it's that that part is true. All right, we're we're still in music. This was a mainly a music kind of. This was more music centric. Um discussion here that we're that we're doing Um, this next one. So this is an interesting band. uh, And I just I really pulled up this article just because I just wanted to talk about them. I always think about them. They're they're not a band that I would really want to do a full deep dive episode on. So I thought, hey, they're perfect for this. And that band is called Greta Von Fleet, which sounds like, you know, them trying to do like the Leonard Skinner sort of thing, you know, like. Hey, we named this band after our gym teacher, you know, and they call themselves Greta von Fleet. I forget why that is Greta von Fleet. It's a weird name. It sounds like the name of like an old, like an old Dutch, like an old Duchess of some kind, like, like a Duchess from Germany or something. Biz says Dave Grohl is a gem. And from what I understand, a lot of Seattle crews are very tight with each other. Yes. It's a tight little scene. Before Dave was in a band with Kurt, Kurt Cobain, Melvin's front uh, the Melvins guys. They were in a band with Kurt, and they put out a, a twelve song demo, calling themselves Fecal Matter. <laughs> oh God! You know what the um, <laughs> you know what the fun, you know what sucks about COVID, um when something makes your whole body seize up, when you laugh, it hurts your muscles. It's the ache feels like bruising. That's what it feels like. Um, I hope my dad, my dad's almost 70. I hope he's going to be okay. He's, he's, he's heavy, man. He's overweight too. I'm like kind of worried about him. I I think he'll be okay. I hope he'll be okay. He's, he's, he's double vaxxed and boosted, man. I mean, I, I can only imagine what this would have been like. That's what you hear from people who get COVID. They go, Oh, I finally got COVID. And you think, They think, oh, my God, uh, I can't imagine what this would have been like if I didn't have COVID. So I kind of really, my heart goes out to the people who had COVID before they got vaxxed. Damn, that's crazy. So Greta von Fleet have announced a 42-date arena tour. And look at these guys. Look at these kids. They're beautiful, man. They're they're, they're beautiful, uh, Adonis-looking rock star kind of kids. Excuse me. Freaking COVID, man. Um, actually, that's not quite true. They kind of look like the, the 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 lead singer guy who has a, 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 a quite the voice on him, quite the pipes, as they say. The lead singer guy, he kind of has like a little bit of a hobbit thing going, but he's like a model hobbit, you know. Um, hey, Jim Hathaway's here. Jim is a, a great supporter of the of us, of the fromus content that we make here. Thank you, Jim. And we're glad glad to have you on the show, man. Um, You know, this is the live show where people do con- you know how it works. You know how it works. You watch the show. I don't have to explain it to you. Uh, So, yeah, I don't know. And and these guys are brothers. So these three guys are brothers. These two are twins. The guitar player, who's like a Jimmy Page wannabe, and, and the front singer, who's the Hobbit. He's basically a Hobbit Robert Plant is what he sounds like. And the, they actually kind of really do. You know, they're accused all the time. They accuse these guys of just ripping off Led Zeppelin. That's really what I wanted to get to at the crux of this thing. That they do they rip off Led Zeppelin, or is it is there sound um that is derived from Led Zeppelin sound? Is it valid? Is it valid? Like at some point, you know, old rock and roll, like you have to move on. Like there has to be new blood that comes in. If the new blood is doing something super derivative, but it's super popular, is it valid? Does it count? And I have, I have gone back and forth. I've tried listening to them a little bit and, you know, trying to really have an open mind. I don't know how I feel. I don't know how I feel because, like, you hear the kid sing and he literally is just doing – I mean, it's not he's doing. He's, he's literally channeling Robert Plant. He sounds exactly like Robert Plant. And you want to know what it is. I guess you know what it is that annoys me is that they get – they're very popular. They get all these accolades. Just admit that, like, every you know, in ELO, Electric Light Orchestra, Jeff Lynn produced the Beatles or produced the three I should say the biggest uh, Beatles fan out there makes no bones. Doesn't try to hide it at all. He goes, yeah, I freaking love the Beatles. The Beatles are the best. I love them. And everything that he does sounds like the Beatles. We got Jody Ramon in the comments. Jody, we haven't seen you in a while. I hope you're well, pal. Hope you're doing okay. Um, Jim says Hobbit Robert Plant, good for his resume. I mean, listen, the kids are doing okay. These guys they're making, they're making good money. Good for them. I'm listen. Uh, I am most certainly not hating on their success. I'm just trying to decide if like, like I, I'm very confused. Like I'm like, is this good or is this just like, is this just unoriginal? You know, um, being talented and being unoriginal. You can be talented and be unoriginal. You know what I'm saying? Um, I don't know, it, it just sort of they just sort of feel like they just feel like a Led Zeppelin copy. Um, And and what annoys me is like uh, saying, going back to the Jeff Lynn thing, Jeff Lynn will be the first one to tell you. Yeah, like all I do is just channel the Beatles like that's what I'm doing and you hear it. And if you like Sergeant Pepper and later era Beatles, like if you love like just that beautiful pop, you know, sensation that is the Beatles at post 1967, you're going to fucking love Jeff Lennon, electric light orchestra. I love it. Listen to El Dorado, The It's a concept album. I've, I, you know, it's funny. I, I got the record. Um, I had it for a long time, dropped it on a needle. Uh, I must've played that record, flipped it over and over side A to side B to side A to side B till the, the concept album of it actually sort of reversed because I kept listening to it. I must've listened to that record a hundred times in a row. I was just so blown away by jefflin's talent but you asked jeff Jefflyn Lynne even a song called something like beatles forever it was an unreleased track an embarrassingly unreleased track but jefflin's the first guy to go yeah the beatles like i would everything i am is because of the beatles and these guys they're kind of like no uh yeah we like Led zeppelin but we're our own thing and it's like but no you're not like just say that like you're zeppelin lovers say that you're like a zeppelin clone just call it a day like just be like yeah we love zeppelin we love them so much but it's like they're like it's so funny that they like they take so much from their sound and don't like properly acknowledge that they do then again it's kind of karma because everybody knows how much zeppelin stole so much dazed and confused stairway to heaven so many songs so many folk artists that sort of opened all these bands that opened for for led zeppelin in the late late 60s and then uh, Zeppelin would end up uh, uh, taking uh, sort of appropriating that material and not giving the credit and credit to even John Lennon, John Lennon, all the Beatles, all of the Beatles themselves. They, they constantly were taking stuff from others. They were constantly as they call they called it nicking. Oh yeah. Paul McCartney when he's talking and he'll be like, I nicked it. Yeah. We were just listening, playing some guitars and I heard, you know, Eddie Cochran doing 50 Flight Rock, and I nicked it. I nicked that little thing he does, the little be the little do You know, like that kind of thing. And and John Lennon, he's like, he's like, <laughs> he's like, he's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. John Lennon's like, yeah, I'm, I can't do it. I can't do it. It's my, my voice. Um, I'm coming together. No, that's more George Harrison. I'm, yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm together. You can hear me. You can hear me ripping off Chuck Berry. That's what I do. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. So I had some liver on the show. Zombina and the skeletons. Go check out that episode. And I told them we went through the different English accents. And, you know, the thing about Zombina, I can listen to her talk all day. I just love her voice to death. Like it is like it's like the, the most wonderful A- ASMR to me personally. It's like ASMR. I love it. Um, but uh yeah, even those like John Lennon was like, Yeah, come together, like that that opening line. He got sued by Chuck Berry. He fucking admitted it. He admitted it. You know, look at he, uh she's so fine, he's so fine, uh, my sweet lord, you know. Uh but Gretafon Fleet, and it's not that their songs are ripoffs of other songs, particularly, but this it's this, it's the whole sound. It is the whole sound all together. Let's go to some comments for them for for them for a moment. Chris says when I first heard Greta von Fleet, it was very cool, but it gets old. you know what? I think you just nailed it, dude. Um oh sorry. Putting on my mask. Ugh. Um Honey, you want to come say hello? She's not going to do it. She's not going to do it. No? Yeah, she's not going to do it. Um, When I first heard Greta Von Fleet, it was cool, but it gets old after a bunch of songs. John Lennon said somewhere if the Beatles never broke up, they would have ended up sounding like ELO. I would love to read that quote, and I think I kind of agree with you. I think they maybe they would have eventually just started to sound like ELO. That's a really good observation from John Lennon. Um, yeah, you listen to a, a, a Greta von Fleet song, you listen to one or two, and they even call them like the song is called the highway tune or something, or, or the truck song. It's just like, dude, that's what Led Zeppelin does. You're just ripping off Led Zeppelin. Like, just, just admit how much you love Led Zeppelin and call it a day. Um, but yeah, that is it. It's like a novelty at first, and then it wears off. So I don't really see what the big deal is about Greta von Fleet. And if that's called, if that's me calling them a hater, I think I was very, very articulate in, in all of my reasoning. I wasn't, and and I commend them for their success. I don't want to just sound like a sour grapes kind of guy or anything, but I I don't know. I just it doesn't kind of annoys me. Uh, Mom says uh, I don't know. I can't get into Greta Von Fleet. People said uh, that the sword the sword sounded like a Black Sabbath uh, sounded like Black Sabbath, and I just couldn't get into it. I haven't listened to that song. I'm sure I, I will check it out. Biz says, I don't get NFTs either. It's a very weird, um, confusing thing. Bye, honey. Um Ace says, we all nick riffs and melodies. There's only seven whole tones. Eventually, stuff is gonna get is going uh to sound similar. Of course. Of course, but like, and there's so look, the Beatles who are like the fucking Beatles, like if they're nicking stuff, like it's oh, it's like it's fine. There's nothing wrong with that what bothers me is like not like at least a tribute at least to say like what you say what you are or acknowledge what you are channeling from is all you know that that's what annoys me that's what annoys me cuz he's like and, 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 and cabbages and kings like he just he has that super high robert plant thing but he's really short he's the you know the lead singer i kind of want to like put him in my front pocket <laughs> this little guy i like him i like i like who he is i just i don't know i just think it's kind of funny um that's it they're they're doing 42 date uh arena tours around the u.s and canada um these are all the dates you should if if you're curious go check them out if you have the the bread to buy a ticket go check them out report back let us know oh that's a lot of shows good for them I mean, but you watch the brother, the 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 guitar playing brother. He's literally doing the Jimmy Page. Jimmy Page does this like bobbing motion when he plays guitar. He's just doing the same move, man. You know what it is. You know what it's kind of like. It's kind of like, it's kind of like um, all the hair hair metal bands in the '80s were kind of doing what the New York Dolls were doing ten years prior. I mean, the, uh, ten years later, you know, the the hair metal became. And that's not to say that the New York Dolls are not hair metal per se, but it's like this idea of like just sort of doing loud, raunchy rock and roll and dressing up like broads. Like it had been done earlier. And the fact that the New York Dolls are still not in the Hall of Fame because of that, well, because of a lot of reasons, it just makes me so mad. It makes me so incredibly angry. Um, So here's all the dates. Check out Greta Von Fleet if, if you're into them. They are going on tour. That's all I wanted to say about that. All right. Let's move on to the next topic. Let's move on to the next topic. Um, Biz says Greta von Fleet sounds like the name of a character in some old timey novel. Totally. You know, that's good. That's a good um that's a good optimism to have about it. Uh that Greta von Fleet will find their own sound when they get older. Okay. I mean, they kind of are older. I mean, look at... I mean, the Beatles were 22, 23 when they put out Please, Please Me. You know, so they were like... I mean, by the time Rubber Soul came along, it was only like, you know, two years later, three years later. Come on. Come on. (laughs) Yo, Tony... We have Tony Matura in the house. Tony, how are you, sir? Tony and I... If you look on the internet, actually don't look for it on the internet. Tony and I covered some kind of hate together at at the first secret subway show in many, many years. I actually got up and I sang some kind of hate with him with his band. It was it was uh wonderfully terrible. I'm sure Tony will agree. Tony did great though. He 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 was rusty, it had been a while for him. And me, I'm not a musician, so <laughs> um he does not have the depth or range of plant, but he's young. Interesting. I mean, he definitely sounds like he got the got the pipes. You know what I'm saying? Well, Mother Love Bone had a sound very similar to Zeppelin Jane's Addiction. I'm not familiar with Mother Love Bone. I'll have to check them out. Ace says, New York Dolls should have been in the Hall of Fame. I have a few Sylvain stories to share with you. Okay, I'm really glad to hear that because I am a big fan of New York Dolls. And I actually... It hasn't aired yet because I haven't gotten the the, the thing together. I had um, Steve Conti from the later version of the dolls, the reunited version of the dolls. Steve came on the show for, God, maybe two hours. He told he also told some great dolls stories. Uh, fantastic gentleman, too. Great. His, he's got a new album out, by the way. You should all check it out. It's called Bronx Cheer. Uh, really, really eclectic stuff. Um, Steve is great. So I'm excited to hear more Sylvain stories. It's such a shame he's not with us anymore. Uh, yes, that was fun, Tony. <laughs> we'll have to do it again. <laughs> All right, come on. Let's move on. Let's move on to the next one. All right, this is. This has nothing. Okay, we do actually have one piece of misfits. I have one misfits thing, guys. We'll get to it in a second. All right, this is really friggin' cool. I don't know how much I want to talk about this because this is like such a long topic and I just really want to sort of it's probably why I picked it for this show because it's such a long topic and I want to spend a long period of time on it. Um, Yes, Conti does rule. He does, man. He does. And you know what I liked about him, too? He just like there were certain times where he was trying to describe something. He just pulled out his guitar to show me what he was talking about, like to articulate himself. Just a really awesome dude, Steve Conti. Check this out. This is a tiny flower formation spotted on Mars. What? I mean, listen, ever since we first heard that there was water in Mars in the 90s, I think it was, was it the 90s? When did they land the first Mars rover? I mean, that was such an exciting time and we've been building up. Here's the thing, guys. I don't want to get super deep on this, but here's the thing. I think we know statistically how many stars and planets there are in, in, in the universe. We don't statistically know. I mean, St- statistically, we know, but we don't actually know what the number is. It is it's beyond a number. It's beyond a number of infinity, like for as many grains of sand there are on every beach. There's like 100 galaxies for each grain of sand on every beach on Earth. The universe is so fast. There are so many stars. There are so many galaxies. There are so many solar systems. There are so many planets. Statistically speaking, if you were able to add up whatever that number is, and I'm sure that mathematically it's been done already, and I don't know anything about math. Statistically speaking, there has to be other life out there and possibly in most probably intelligent life out there. Could I imagine what it looks like or how it works? No, I don't think any of us could. But I think, and there's a great short story, which I adapted into a a movie. It's on this channel called They're Made Out of Meat. That's about two extraterrestrials. They have a conversation about how horrified they are to come to Earth and see that the beings here are, are made out of meat, unlike the other beings that they've encountered in other parts of the galaxy that are made up in some cases of pure energy. And so it's like this, seeing this is both shocking and at the same time, not shocking because, and you know, I'm sure this is probably a little clickbait, but it had me thinking about that question. I just wanted to bring it up to you. What do you guys, do you guys believe in extraterrestrial life out there? Do you think it's real? I I just, I don't see how it's not, I'm not saying, I don't have proof either, but I think from a mathematical standpoint, it's damn near impossible for there not to be, you know? So I do believe that it is out there. And I can't imagine what it looks like. And I'm sure it would probably it just it captures my imagination, man. Um, the Curiosity rover discovered this rock smaller than a penny that resembled a flower or piece of coral with uh, g- within the Gale Crater on February 24th. The small pieces in this photo were created billions with a B billions of years ago when minerals carried by water cemented the rock. Um, during its ongoing investigation of Martian rocks and the Gale crater, I mean, there's so much we haven't explored or discovered on Mars. We just don't know. It was just so little. We know the curiosity rover stumbled upon a tiny surprise. The rock artifact, which resembles a piece of coral or a flower is smaller than a penny. Uh, the Martian flower and the spherical pieces next to it were likely made by Right. This is saying the same thing over and over again, another bunch of nothing burger in this article, but whatever, it's still cool. Um. The find is similar to other small features Curiosity has spotted in the past. Oh, I did not know that. All of which were formed when mineralized fluids traveled through the rock. I think I think Mars probably had life at one time. It had to have, man. And maybe it still does. Maybe it's underneath the surface. But I think it's so cool. And it gives me hope, man. Uh, will we terraform Mars? I think we will. I think we will. Um, but what's really sad is that Corporations and and you know g- uh, ca- unchecked capitalism, which could be invested in technology to bring us to other planets, as well as technology to help us as the human race, like grow and like you know like electric car shit and that sort of stuff. All of it, it's just squandered, and instead we're dealing with like we're 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 literally on the brink or in the middle of the next world war. Just fucking crazy, dude. This is so crazy. This is what we should be focusing on. This is what, and I remember when they like something newsworthy about life on Mars came out, right around the time of like the election, and nobody gave a shit. It was like, hmm. There was like uh, we're we're dealing with a pandemic. Um, We have uh, an orange balloon man in the White House. We have a reality TV star in the in the White House, who makes Nixon look like friggin'. uh, (laughs) Leatherface. face. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, that was the wrong way to put that. I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know what I'm saying. COVID brain. COVID brain. Um, No, I don't know. Just, it, the, but my point is, is that like, it's so crazy right now in the world, like that people didn't even give a shit about like what was happening on Mars. That was my point of what I was just trying to say just now. Nick Hall says it's scary thinking how small we really are when you add outer space into the factor, there has to be something out there. Yeah, man. And it just makes me like, but here's the thing. And this is going to sound really crazy. I think that we are really, really small and really, really insignificant. And at the same time, the center of the universe, why not both? We can be, I think that's the point. You, you shouldn't, we shouldn't be comparing ourselves to other objects. Like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yes, we are. It's in the same thing as this, like a a, a cell is the smallest, one of the smallest things in the human body. And yet in in, with next to all the stuff that's smaller than a cell, it's one of the largest things. You know, it's also a really, really big thing. It just depends on like the, the relativity is what I mean. Uh, it can be both a cell is both a smell a cell is something really really big to something else that's really 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 smaller and vice versa and it's just like i don't know i love talking about this stuff though it's like really trippy and sort of out there but also very interesting it um because i like we think about our lives and like how our lives are so important to us and like everything we do in our life this is our story our lives are movies and Everything. This this is our journey, and then we think about like the fact that we are on a, a one planet of of trillions of trillions of trillions of planets, and how truly insignificant do do all things out there have souls? Is there do they all go to the same place after they uh, cease to exist uh, on this plane? Are there multiple planes? Are there multiple universes? You know how does all this stuff work? It's just it's really it's really trippy, and when you like think about space and how big it is and the statistical probability of life being out there, all that stuff comes into the equation. That's all I meant by that. Um, Ace says, statistically speaking, there is absolutely life out there. Aliens with legs and spaceships. That's up for debate. Yeah, totally. Uh, he says, yes, duh, but regardless life, absolutely. Yeah, totally. It just, you have to be how, how ignorant and how like, um, Naive, would you have to be to think that there's no, that we are literally one anomaly? It's just we're so far out, you know, we can't, we'll never, we may never meet them. You know, there's lots of different reasons. Like some people say, oh, it's because civilizations destroy themselves before they can do interstellar travel, or that we're too far away, or that we're not advanced enough, or that we are. And that's like another thing to go back to my, we did this last time, we talked about uh, the idea of. Like, not God, but like of a higher power, or like, you know, yeah, of a higher power, essentially. I believe in a power greater than myself. And I don't know what it is, but I compare, I I did the the scale thing of the ant. The idea that an ant can't comprehend what a human being is, and yet to an uh, human, to an ant is uh, something that's superhuman, supernatural, super insane. Like, think about all the, technology all the things that we can do compared to what an ant could do we've lived billions of times longer than an ant will we know infinite more knowledge than an ant will and you have to think perhaps that there is life out there that that scales up where we are mere ants we are mere ants to some other intelligent life that they can comprehend and speak and communicate in ways that our brains human brains simply can't even process In the same way that like our brains aren't like our eyes are not only capable of like seeing certain amounts of wavelengths of light, right? Well, what if they exist in other wavelengths that we're not even capable of our human eyeballs can't even see, you know what I'm saying? So, and then where do they stand in next to an ant? They probably don't even know ants exist because they're so small and insignificant in the same way that human beings didn't know that atoms exist until they had the technology to see them. So I don't know. I know that's very, sounds like i'm on an acid trip but i mean this is the stuff i think about sometimes jim hathaway says mars cover story on nat geo mag recently was really interesting Hmm." angus says we probably would not recognize other life somewhere in the universe. that too that's what i mean like we might not comprehend it I believe we aren't alone. I do think that they have a good sense to stay far far away from us humans, though. That's very possible. They might just see that we are uh, a hostile uh, species that they don't want to have anything to do with. You know. Who knows, man? Who friggin knows? All right. Let's move on to the next topic. We're doing pretty good here. I think. Yeah, we're just about on. we're, We're sort of on track here. The last topic is uh, something that could be really, really, really <laughs> prone. Says I used to think Gigi Allen was the higher power. It turns out it was Vic- Vince McMahon. That's a really funny line. I don't believe either one of them are the higher power, but that's just me. Um, we already did a Beatles topic. Should we do another one? This is a, is this a long article? I'm just looking it over. Eh, you know, we could save that for another day. Well, I want to do this last one is, is sort of an interesting thing that relates to what we previously have talked about on the first episode of Night of the for Night of the Fromis. Sorry, I can't even pronounce my own show. Um, all right, so we talked about Spotify. remember we had a ginormous Spotify conversation. It was super interesting, super fun. Now, let us look. Let us look. So check out what this rock band is doing. This is very interesting. And I remember back in 2012, there was another band who did something similar. Um, Rock band to release a, a thousand track album of 30 second songs to protest Spotify royalty rate. The pocket gods are releasing an album called a thousand times 30. Nobody makes money anymore. Uh, riffs on the fact that the Spotify stream is, a reg- is, is registered after 30 seconds of a song. So you don't even get paid for the stream unless someone's been listening for 30 seconds. That is crazy. So they've done, they decided that it doesn't even matter that we have, like, what's the point of writing an artistic song that's longer than 30 seconds if we're not? So that begs the question, why are you making art? Why are you making music? Why are you making money? Obviously, you want to get paid to do what you want to do. I would never, ever, ever tell an artist that, you know, you should only do it for the sense of art. I mean, isn't that the goal? Why shouldn't all artists like, you know, but then again, art is sort of like a democratic process. And and what I mean by that is if your art is good, people will pay money for it. People will buy it. Not everybody who makes art is going to be good. And therefore, there's that aspect, too, of like, you know, bands, maybe bands that get 2,000 plays a year on Spotify. And they're like, let's have relatives. We should get paid more money. If we were paid, you know, $5 for every stream, you know, like we would make money, that sort of thing. Um, So there is that sort of aspect to it. But at the end of the day, this is an interesting sort of like art. It's like an art. It's like an art, artistic statement in the sense that we're not even going to worry about making a song longer than 30 seconds because wh- why bother? Because Spotify doesn't pay us enough money. It's ve- That to me is very interesting. Um, Ace says that Spotify is run by criminals. The CEO of Spotify, he makes a lot of money, doesn't he? Uh, you should listen to our. You should check out our our other episode. You may not agree with what the the guy from Disturb said, but he also provided some interesting commentary about Spotify Ace. Um, since you are, <laughs> Ace, we have to talk about Spotify when you come on the show. I really want to hear your 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 thoughts. Since you are new. <laughs> Since you are in New Jersey, do you read Weird New Jersey Mag? I am not in New Jersey. I'm actually in New York. I'm in New York. Um, I travel to Jersey a lot, but I'm not in Jersey. My mom is from Bergen County. You know what's funny? My mom's born in 1954. She grew up in Teaneck, New Jersey. She literally grew up a town or two over from the Misfits. Crazy. Same age as Mr. Jim, man. Like, it just blows my mind to think that maybe they might have crossed paths at some point. So trippy. So trippy to think about that. Um, Art. Okay, here you go. Art is subjective. But if someone is monetizing a platform where art music is held, then who deserves that money? It should be primarily the artist, not some dude in the office. On that, I 100% agree. 150 billion percent agree. Everybody, as I said, if you're an artist, you should be paid for your art. You should. It's not like you shouldn't. But I think what's interesting is what happens when you're making something. Well, in this case, it is an artistic statement of what they're doing. But let's say that they were just like jingle writers or let's say, okay, let's say that they're sludge metal artists who write seven minute songs and then they're like, hmm, we want to make a lot of money on Spotify so they start writing 30 second songs because that's the that's how long it takes for a spotify to register like well we can save money in the studio by only doing 30 second songs you know kind of doing like what mean jeans did really cool band mean jeans they did like kind of like a jingle album or remember short music for short people which was a punk rock compilation it was like 99 or 130 second songs it actually it had a new misfits track on it called i want to be a new york ranger with john caffiero singing the lead vocal um yeah i don't know man it's it's uh, the spotify conversation is a fascinating one i love it which is why i picked this picked this topic what if some of them are made from oh no this is the i'm i'm not going to we're we're already on to the next topic i would i would stream that album all day long if i still had spotify i am definitely going to listen to the entire album i'm going to listen to it i'm totally am i want to hear what it sounds like and if they're going to the trouble of 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 writing and recording a thousand tracks i'm going to go to the trouble to listen to every single one of them i'm very curious to see how it's going to work very curious to see how it's going to work um use from Jersey. why don't you say use from joey you know i love uh i love that character on speaking of futurama we were talking about Futurama earlier there's that one older guy he's always talks like use hey, use guys hey what thought that was funny never use spotify i'm old and i have cds and radio uh i am i love spotify as a as a listener as a listener as a consumer of music it is a wonderful consumer experience for me convenient, wonderful way to discover new music. Um, I, I do want to clarify that does not mean I do not think that artists should not get paid. I do think it is a problematic platform for many reasons, but it is a really, really deep and nuanced conversation. And one thing is for certain, it doesn't matter what's justified or not. Artists should absolutely be paid more money on Spotify. It's just the, it's the bottom line. That's it. End of story on that. Um, you thought I was from New Jersey because all I do is talk about the misfits. That's why. Does anyone know who killed Marilyn? It ain't a mystery, baby, not to me. Yeah, dude, there were so many great comp- compilations, fat records, man, fat records. My personal favorites were the punk rama CDs I had. But that's how I got into uh, partially how I got into punk. I listened to the Misfits. I listened to the Pistols. And then I listened to punk rama stuff. And I that, you know, I had Punk-O-Rama 2. That's how I discovered TSOL, actually. The first song I ever heard by TSOL was Code Blue. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, did that band just say what I thought I heard? Is are they what are they? Middle of the night, so silently I creep on over to the mortuary, lift up the casket and fiddle with the dead. Um, but yeah, I discovered so many bands. That's how I discovered No Effects and Pennywise, all these bands, uh, that that came out of the 90s on those Punkorama compilations, Punkorama 4. Uh, huge for me, love that so much. Punkorama Five is a classic, and then I think Punkorama Six is where I sort of got off on the bus. So Punkorama Two through Six were like my my jammy jams, truly one hundred and fifty percent. Excuse me. Uh, no, that was the caller from the Misfits nineteen eighty two radio interview, used from Jersey. That's right. <laughs> That's right, Jim. I forgot. Yeah, 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 yeah. You's from Jersey. How come you don't say you's from Jersey? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. And Glenn, Glenn was so mad at that guy. That was so funny. Guys, you have to listen to Glenn Danzig on that call in show. It's amazing. The band sore throat should make a comeback. They were a nineties band that played songs somewhere like the five second long songs. Interesting. Never heard of them. Never hated them. The dead milkman is what got Nick Hall into punk. um, yeah, dude. Uh, you know, Code Blue is just the tip of the iceberg, though, for TSOL. If you listen to Beneath the Shadows, to me is the and the, the gothic post punk masterpiece. And this the you know, it's funny TSOL gets kind of like, you know, people think of them as a hardcore band that like talks about politics, but the reality is they're way more of a death rock band. They're way more death rock than they will ever admit. They don't like calling themselves that. They joke about it. But sonically, they are a death rock band. Listen to Silent Scream. Listen to The Triangle. Listen to um, listen to Dance With Me. You know, Code Blue. I mean, they are a death rock band. Straight up. Straight the freak up. And then along with, with Beneath the Shadows, adding Greg on keyboards. By the way, Greg's kids, Elvis and Max, are in the band Fiddlar, which is another great band that I really, really love. Now, if you have not listened to Fiddler, check out that first that first self titled album. I saw them open for the Pixies. I had no idea who they were. Blew my mind. Fiddler, which stands for Fuck It, Dog. Life's a risk. By the way, speaking of the Pixies, they just released a new single today uh, or yesterday. It, it's interesting. Uh, again, so I'm not sure if it sounds more like solo Frank Black or Pixies. That's a whole other conversation. Not going to have that. Not going to get into that now. Right. Uh give them the I had I had give them the boot volume two. Yes. Yes. Um that was Tim Armstrong's uh Hellcat Records. Darker My Lo- Okay, Gary X, Darker My Love, and Wash Away are two of my favorite songs ever, especially Darker My Love. Uh they did a demo version. Uh, in the studio, but it's never officially been released. They did four tracks in the studio, unreleased tracks. They did a cover of Lou Reed's "Perfect Day." This is TSOL, mind you. They did "Perfect," De- De- uh, "Perfect Day." They did a song called um, uh, "White American." I want to be a white American. I think that's what it was. They did uh, a cover of the Damned. Uh, of the Damned, I forget what it was. The Damned cover was uh, "Politics." I think it was called "Politics," and they did "Darker My Love." Which is featured in uh, the awesome punk rock classic by Penelope Spears, uh Suburbia. Beneath the Shadows, Top to Bottom is a fantastic LP. Uh, it was uh, what you were in a band with Greg and Dwayne Peters. Whoa, the great unwashed! Can I hear that? Is that is that like out? Is that around anywhere? Sometimes Greg plays with X too, which I think is really cool. Seems like such an awesome awesome dude. Um, Right. Hellcat was an was an imprint on that on that on that label. Yes. Yes. Darker. My love. It is such a great track, such a great track to think that though, I mean, those guys, man. And I'll tell you something, my one of my OK, so I had a, that film I was talking about that I made Romeo's distress. I wanted to license it before I before I put it out like legally. I was going to try and license that track from T.S.O.L., uh, the instrumental Glass Streets, which is one of my favorite instrumentals of all time. (sighs) So good. So good. I didn't know you guys all like T.S.O.L. as much as I do. And I'll tell you, T.S.O.L., the last time they put out the Trigger Complex is phenomenal. Phenomenal. They've released a string of singles since then um they did a cover of uh sweet transvestite and i said to jack i said jack you should play i mean jack should play Frankenfooter. he's per- i mean jack uh jack likes dressing up in women's clothes he'll be the first to tell you and uh, i just think he'd be perfect as Frankenfooter. and he had keith morris doing the brad majors role which is really great i i really wish i hope TSOL never stops recordings um the new the new film which i which i supported we did a uh, a whole video about the new film uh, uh encouraging people to support it called ignore heroes. That's coming out very soon. So if you're a TSOL fan, get ready for the documentary. It is really, really cool for a while. Jack was doing some like zoom sessions with the backers. So we would, we would on Sundays, we would get into this zoom room with Jack and he would talk to us about what he was doing for the project. Super awesome. Um, Yeah. Big fan, big fan. Hold on. Damn. I got a, what do you say? Ah, uh, damn! I gotta check out that demo. And yeah, first heard him in Suburbia, classic. Yeah, definitely get your hands on the demo if you can. Um, I don't think it is legally available. I think it's just unreleased. I think you could find it on YouTube. But listen, if they're not, if you can't legally purchase it or legally stream it, and you want to hear it, and you can, if it's on YouTube, check it out. I don't know. Um. Yes, Cathedral of Tears. Uh that is that's some interesting that is an interesting uh work piece of work. Well, and the story behind how he released that uh accidentally is also interesting. I think I, I, I think that um I, I, I think that uh Greg didn't Greg and Todd play on Cathedral of Tears as well. They left when when, when he left. I think. Oh, and Chip Hanna played drums on the Trigger Complex. That's cool. Oh, you're on. Okay, so Ace is putting a link somewhere. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry, I haven't caught up with the con the comments yet on the Trigger com- uh, Complex. Yes, he was in the U.S. Bombs. Um, oh, you played with tr- U.S. Bombs. I did not know that. Uh, I have seen I have seen TSOL on on for at every single east coast show that they've done since 2005 every time they have come to new york i have been at that show i first saw them at cbgb's in 2005 um try to remember the next time i saw them after that but i've seen them uh i've seen them ever i saw them at santo's party house saw them out on long island with the bouncing souls freaking when they get out here um yes i've read jack's autobiography it's called an american demon i've read it i've read i've read that and i've read another one of his books and he just released a, a pulp a pulp novel like a like a pulp novel sort of thing uh, i agree man B- beneath the shadows is pure art and jack will say all day long he talk, he says like my voice he's not stoked about his voice on that record he's like He's like, oh, you know, like, um, he he says he like he doesn't sing in key. Oh no, you know what he says? He says I didn't know how to sing at that time, or I was still learning how to sing, something like that. Um, he had another band in the '90s called the Joy Killer, which essentially, if you listen to the early Joy Killer, like 1995 off of the self-titled album, Joy Killer, like has um has uh, Ron Emery, the guitar player from T.S.O.L. on it. And a lot of the songs sound like modern T.S.O.L. So in a way, it was kind of like T.S.O.L. Mach two. And there's like a crazy talk. You know, what's funny. We, we laugh and joke all the time about the misfits and the new misfits and the confusion. T.S.O.L. And we'll probably hear about it in the documentary. They have one of the most confusing, crazy stories at one point. Technically, by a, from a legal standpoint of ownership of the name. Uh, there were no original members in the band. Uh, They all left. And Joe Wood, who was the new frontman after Jack, uh, brought in by Mike and Ron, actually, according to Jack, they had started a brand new band and decided to call it TSOL. And that, how about this for you? Some of those songs on Change Today, the the first record on Enigma in 1984, uh, they had been rehearsing those riffs with Jack before those songs got carried over into Change Today. Um, and then that band was was basically fronted by Joe Wood. And I like that first album. Change Today is a great fucking record. Really, really great record. Nothing For You. Um, Black Magic is a great song. Uh, they do a crazy good version of Silent Scream. It was the only song they carried over from the original band. Um, what's ironic more than anything is that Joe Wood is Jack Grisham's brother-in-law. Or, or was his brother in law, and that Jack Grisham is the uncle to because he married Jack Grisham's sister. That Jack Grisham is the uncle of, of Joe's children. I mean, it's crazy that they used to like live together and like that. I don't know. that That is like a trip. And then meanwhile, he's in TSOL while Jack is off doing other things. It's cra- crazy, crazy. Um, bottom line, they just shouldn't use the different name, In it, 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 they should always just use a different name. Um, but that's an interesting one, because at one point, uh, Roach left, Emery left. They were all gone. And then Joe Wood and Mitch, uh, whatever his face is, the drummer, they they brought in two new guys. And then they were going around as TSOL and they weren't even playing any of the original music at that point. Why even call it TSOL? It's like that classic paradox of like, um, the, you know, the Greek ship where everything is replaced on the Greek ship over time. Is it still the ship if you replace everything on the ship? That's like a classic paradox, or it's the same thing as like your body, your human body replaces every single cell. Every single one of your cells dies after seven years, and every one of your cells is not the same. The only thing that remains the same on your body are the uh, the the corneas. It's like a hard plate behind your in your eyeballs or whatever, like the the focusing mechanism in your eyeball. It's the only part that doesn't that stays the same from from birth to death. Maybe your brain cells. I don't think so. I think your brain cells regenerate, too. So what makes you you if every part of your body is replaced over a long period of time? And it's the same thing with a band. What makes a band a band if they're not playing the same songs, if there are no original members in it, you don't have the singers, the uh, founding members anymore. Why not just change the name? I don't know. Crazy, crazy story, though. Uh, hold on. Going to some of these. Wow, that was a real tangent on TSOL. I love T. I really love "Divided We Stand." on every song on "Divided We Stand." Um, see you tomorrow. Um, friggin' sodomy. Uh, uh, the mo- mo- what is it? Um, if I don't pick up, I won't get high. I love it. I attract healthy relationships. Terrible people actually there's a great song on there um not hypocrite uh oh the song disappear off of disappear phenomenal phenomenal track I just wish they put out an album every year I would just I would constantly constantly listen to it uh trigger trigger complex has just phenomenal songs and you know what it is they're not trying to do a cookie cutter sound. They are. Jack is an explorer, man. Uh, They're all are. They're explorers of the sound. And they're just constantly, constantly uh, doing new, fresh things. They are true artists in the truest sense. And I respect the fuck out of them for it. I really do. Saw them in the mid 90s in Lawrence, Kansas. Wow. Uh oh my God! I would love to hear those change today songs with Jack. And I'm not sure if he said it in the group or not in the in the in the Facebook group. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe don't quote me on this. I'm pretty sure there might be practice tapes lying or I don't know if they're still lying around, but there there may have been practice tapes. Who knows? Who knows that would be' that'd be fucking amazing. Oh my God, would that make me happy? I got nothing for you. Oh, Nothing for You is on the next album after that. Right, right, right. That came out on on Revenge in 1985. That's like, I'm not a big fan of Revenge, but Nothing for You is a great track. Um Jack Wood was a great vocal. Um Joe Wood, Joe Wood's an interesting vocalist, you know, but I I mean, I don't know. It's it's weird, man. Yes, dude, disappear, man. Like, sodomy is just such a friggin' fire song, dude. Pyromaniac. Oh, my God. Um, Not in time. What's that one that uh, Ron sings? It's great. That's great. I wish my teeth would regenerate, says Chris. want to hear something really stupid. Do you know what I once, like, kind of thought in my head? Because I, like, hate my teeth so much. I was like... I kind of wanted all like, have you ever seen Phantom of the Paradise, which is like one of my favorite films of all time? Brian De Palma. Great talk about musicals. Great musical. All the music is written by Paul Williams, the guy who wrote the Rainbow Connection for Kermit the Frog and the Carpenters. We've only just begun. Um, I kind of just want all my teeth to be metal. So I never have to worry about cavities because I eat too much candy and just (laughs) it would just be easier to like not have to deal with my teeth. Like, I know, like, it's like, be careful what you wish for, because that could happen in the future. I hate my teeth, dude. I just hate dealing with them. They bring me such anxiety. Going to the dentist brings me such anxiety. Just as a sidebar. Okay, so Dagger says, the universe is endless, and somewhere there is a planet where everyone has a devil (laughs) log. Dagger, this is the greatest comment you've ever done on a live stream, and I'm actually screenshotting it, because I love what you just said so much. I'm screenshotting this right now. You guys so good dagger. Thank you for that. Thank you. <laughs> Revenge is kind of where they lost ACE. Uh, some of the album is okay, um, but that's it for my interest in the Joe Wood era. Yeah. They started to gradually, they just started to gradually shift. That was the problem. They gradually shifted and they were changing their sound. That's when they, and funny, that's when they started to get friendly with like uh, um, guns and roses and all those other uh bands on the strip right and um they just sort of like they changed they changed they were they were um they were opening opening for for bands that were starting to break really big um and they just sort of went like this weird blues rock direction um you know heroin problems got really bad for members of the band uh roach in particular mike roach and Ron Emery, all those guys were, were were strung out on junk. And then the irony, one last thing about TSOL before we move on to finish this. The irony of the, of the whole situation was the original band wanted to reunite, and they did. And the record is great. It's called Live 91. They wanted to reunite as TSOL, and they couldn't because Joe Wood had the name. So they had to go out as like Grisham, Barnes, Roach, and Emery you know, and just play the original songs and it's recorded and it's recorded on, on, on that. Um, It's recorded on, on video. You can see it. What do I think of Rudy rudimentary pen? I, I don't know too much about a man. I have one album by them. Uh, didn't really do anything. You know, I'm, a, I'm, I really, I really love sublime. And they they mention rudimentary peni peni in in their lyrics, so I checked them out, and it just I don't know, didn't really. I, I know they're kind of like considered to be death rock goth sort of thing. Just I don't know, I don't know. Right? Yeah, L.A. Guns. Right? Exactly. Ha ha. Yes, very true. Uh- <coughs> oh god. All right, let's let's move on. So what what are these what is this band doing? A rock band from St Albans have announced their plans to release a thousand track album of 30 second songs in protest of Spotify's royalty rates. By the way, just so you know, it take you have to wait 30 seconds into a song before you get 0.04 cents 004 That's it. That's all you get per stream. 4 4 I don't know what 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 is that? That's 0.04, what is that? Four, four tenths of a penny, I think it is. So you're getting fractions of a penny for every play on Spotify. Uh, the under fire Streaming Service, uh, oh, sorry, the Underfire Streaming Services model means that a single stream of a song and the revenue that it, that brings in is activated after just 30 seconds of airtime. As such, the Pocket Gods, that's the name of their band, have decided to release a new album of songs that they, that are all around the 30 second mark, inspired by the article in the in the eye by New York-based music professor Mike Enrico, who said that Spotify's methods surrounding what constitutes a stream could signal the end of the three-minute pop song. This goes back to what we were just talking about. Like the three minute pop song is a format that is like a that's like religion. And that's not to say that, like, there should be rules in crafting a song. A song should be a, as long as a song needs to be. Okay. Yes. From like cr- critical aspects, we can go, ah, that song's a little, a little too long for me. That song's about four minutes and 50 seconds when it should be about, you know, three minutes and 30 seconds, you know, something like that. But in general, the idea of like a three minute song, it's like, that's like a format, dude. It's like a medium. Um, And it's like this idea that if like if this is what artists have to do to get paid, that it's going to change the format. It's going to change the art form. Now, is Spotify have that kind of monopoly over the art form? Absolutely not. And I hope that they never do, because I'll tell you something. If they did, it's very possible that you would see bands following this suit if they thought they were going to get paid. Not every band, of course, but maybe certain bands that just go, hey, what's the point? I'll just do a 30 second song. It really does. It it sort of changes the whole conversation about like, you know, it, it changed the conversation about, you know, getting fairly compensated, fighting for just fair compensation, no matter what kind of music we make versus trying to fit into a cookie cutter mold based on the practices of a corporation. A corporation is dictating what the media format should be or what the framework should be simply because artists want to get paid. I mean, it's like really twisted when you think about it. The new album, A Thousand Times Thirty, Nobody Makes Money Anymore, directly references Spotify, Spotify's business model as, uh, as such. And as such, Lee says that means that the band run the risk of being thrown off the platform. Uh, of the process of writing the album, he added, we wrote and recorded a thousand songs, each a shade over 30 seconds long for the album. The longest is 36 seconds. It is designed to raise awareness about the campaign for fair royalty rates. I'm dying to know what a thousand thirty-second song sounds like. You know, it'd be really cool, actually. Like take like a seven-minute song, write like a normal size song, and then <laughs> break it up into 30 seconds. Oh my God, that'd be terrible. That would be terrible. Um, speaking of one particular song called point oh oh two. The amount of money they receive per stream. Okay, so that's interesting. So it's 0.002. I thought it was 0.004. I've definitely seen 0.004 all over the Internet. Uh, Lee said, oh, come on. Don't pop up on me. Stupid. I can't read it. All right. It's still a pittance. I can't, uh, especially when the when the Rogan's podcast gets 100 million dollars which has been now revealed. It's been revealed by the way that Rogan actually got paid $200 million in that deal, not a hundred million dollars. Spotify is a great musical resource and it allows indie bands like us to upload our music without record companies. Yes. And that is a huge boon. And that's very much something I'd love to hear. I'd love to hear ACE's feelings about that as well, but we'll save that for, for ACE's episode. Um, uh, it, th- I mean, that's interesting too. It does. It gives you this this ability of autonomy. But does that justify such a low royalty rate? I I think not. I think that a band should still be paid more money. It's not sustainable. You give a band motivation to upload to your platform. It's like you know. It's it's like you need to stimulate stimulate the 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 creative economy so that people keep making shit. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I see all the comments, guys. We'll get back to them in one second, and then we're going to wrap up the show. In January, hundreds of scientists and met. I'm uh, not talking about Joe Rogan. Uh, I'm not pleased with Joe Rogan at all, and I don't want to talk about it. And you know, whatever it's uh, just let's. I don't even want to deal with it. Uh, by the way, full disclosure: I used to listen to Rogan's podcasts, interviews a lot. I loved his interviews um, with you know people of note, like. He did a great Paul Stanley interview many years ago. Um, Yeah. Don't really want to talk about that right now. Is that the end of the article? Oh, that's the end of the article anyway. Okay. All right. Let's go to the comments and then we're going to wrap up our stream for tonight because I need to get into bed. My wife is mad that I'm even doing this right now, but listen, I stream when I'm well and I stream when I'm sick. Um. It's how I choose for my brain to tick. We're going to have to close out with the Lamplighter Hotel, by the way. It's going to happen. I'm just warning you. All right. Let's see what this says. Uh, Chris says, when I was a kid, I was told uh, a crab could regenerate a claw. Some crabbers brought me uh, a crab leg and I put it in a jar of water, hoping the leg would regenerate the crab. That is really, really adorable, actually. Yeah, stone crabs do regenerate, obviously. And if you've ever been to Florida, and I don't know where else it is, you go to Joe's Stone Crab. It's a really, really fancy restaurant where you can get stone crab claws fresh. They pull them off. They wait for them to grow back. It's actually a sustainable food source, whether you're you know, into that thing or not. Um, you're not killing the animal. Uh, it's not nice to pull off an animal's hand so you can eat it. But you know that's another story. Ace says they rubbed talking about TSOL. They rubbed elbows with all the Sunset Strip bands. Adler is wearing a TSOL shirt in one of those big GNR videos. So in a way, it's kind of like Metallica and the Misfits T-shirts too. Like TSOL is getting some mainstream exposure because of uh, Guns and Roses. That's interesting. Um, I, I like that live album a lot. I do. They put out another live album. It was supposed to be their farewell show in 2006 in Hawaii. Um, that Those early 2000s are a very interesting period of time for TSOL. Very interesting. And if you had the Nitro Records release of Divided We Stand, which again, love that album. Serious. Uh, see You Tomorrow. F.U. Tough Guy. Uh, sex and Violence. Um, uh, oh, Happy. Shine. Just like every song, Electric, all of these songs, phenomenal, phenomenal songs. And that brought Greg back into the band. He he had not returned for Disappear. And then he came back for Divided We Stand. He's been there ever since. Uh they did another album called Life, Liberty, and Pursuit of Free Downloads. And that's when they had Tiny in the band. So every time I ever saw TSOL, it was always with Tiny on drums until I think I saw them with Chip. And I and now they have Antonio. Um when I, when Antonio first just joined them, when, uh, when I saw, I saw them when, when Antonio had first just joined him, still a little green, but I've seen a lot of YouTube videos since. And he's really, really come into his own. And he's just, he he's a solid drummer. I'm glad that they have like a functioning lineup. Now I just wish they would tour, but that's a whole other, Jack doesn't like to tour. He, he, I don't think any of them like to tour, frankly, Um, but they do it. They do it when they have to, you know? Why do bands think they should be able to make a living off of Spotify? That is, oh my God, that is a huge, huge can of worms. Um, I think that here's what I'll say about it I think bands should fairly be paid. However, bands also need to understand what kind of tools Spotify can be utilized for, or better way, how to use Spotify. Um, uh, to, to leverage themselves or to, sorry, to, to, to lift themselves up. Um, does that mean, does that automatically mean that they shouldn't be paid a better rate? No, of course they should. I think they should. Why, why should they be able to make, make a living off of Spotify? I don't know if getting paid a fair royalty means making a living. Those are two completely different things. Dagger making a living suggests that that would be their sole stream of revenue. You know, musicians, like many artists, have many different passive revenue streams. Um, Spotify's shouldn't be more than a couple pennies. It should be a chunk of change, you know. And, you know, you talk to a guy like Steve Zing, Steve Zing will tell you. Steve Zing is the first guy to tell you that you can make money off of Spotify, depending on the situation. Steve Zing says he knows people that makes money off of Spotify, But that doesn't work for everybody, especially if you're with a label. Because as we read in that last article, when we did the first episode of the show, the labels take a huge chunk of the pie. And then the artists get the crumbs. So, I don't know. Um, Hold on. Let's see here. Live 91 is one of my favorite live punk albums ever. Jenks Jack's banter on stage is priceless. I got a bucket of piss up here. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, sounds like old DRI songs. I tapped out of Rogan after 23rd six hour interview with Ari Schaefer. There is uh, Tim Heidecker, Heidecker from whatchamacallit. Um, he does a really funny parody of that podcast. Really, really funny. a um, says, make a living. No, there's no mu- there's no money in music anymore. But when some dude in an office is a billionaire because of everyone else's music catalog, that's not right. 100% agree. 150 percent agree and it's not just him who's making the money the labels are making the money too the labels are selling their catalogs that include lots of different bands in them and then they're selling them for 10 million dollars you know and then the 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 bands are left getting the crumbs you know um it's it's crazy dude spotify spotify is a marketing tool but it's more than a marketing tool. It what about YouTube? Here look, I'm here on YouTube, right? Like my my channel is monetized. I make money off of this stream right now. You guys watching me. I'm making money. I'm not making a lot of money. I wish I was making more money, but I am making money. As a matter of fact, if if the the rate was better, I would be making more money. I am both marketing myself and making passive revenue. Should I expect that this, that YouTube should be my sole source of income? I mean, as nice as that would be, I don't expect it. And I don't think maybe I, I don't know what the question of should the, the word should is what bothers me. It's not whether I should expect it or shouldn't expect, expect it. It's just the fact that like, it's just the, the understanding that, that I, you know, unless I am, you know, unless I have millions of subscribers I need to focus on many different revenues, stream revenues. That's why like Patreon is so important to me. Stuff like that, you know, Ko-Fi. But, you know, YouTube, in addition to giving me passive income, is also a marketing tool. It does a lot of things. It also has the biggest marketing place. It's a broadcasting platform where I can reach basically anyone in the world directly from their phone. You know, it's like this super powerful thing Um, and it should be leveraged as a super powerful thing in a way that I can sort of boost myself as much as I'm trying to boost whatever it is here that I do. Um, But I don't think you can't I wouldn't call YouTube solely a marketing tool. And I don't just sit here talking all day because, you know, uh, well, I do it because I love it. I do love it. Come on. I I love I love doing this. I, I wouldn't be doing this as often as I do it if I didn't love doing it. But um, I do expect to now that my account is monetized, I expect to be paid for what it is that I do is what is doing this the same as like writing and recording songs in a studio and like mixing and all that shit. No, it's like it's apples and oranges. It's just two completely different things. Um, but. As as people who are creating something, whether it is a free form podcast, whether it is a song, whether it is a music video, whether it is a film. We all should at least have the right to make money off of what we are doing in some in some sink or swim way, you know like how about this like 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 the ability to be able to make money, you know what I mean instead of like just being in a situation where literally you have fractions of a penny coming in and like it's true. There is some There is some guy who set up the whole thing. He's not even an artist. He's not even a fucking musician. And he gets the majority of the lion's share. You know, it, it needs to be. And here's the thing. I don't think it's ever going to uh, what, what musicians should do is they should they need to take their music out. They all need to unionize in some way, shape or form for a standard digital streaming royalty. It needs to be standardized. Maybe even by government. Maybe the government should regulate it. I don't freaking know. I don't know how that shit works. But there needs to be something. There needs to be something in place that protects artists so that they get something. Because here's the bottom line. If you can't make money creating art, you're not going to keep making art. I mean, you might because art satisfies you. But you only have so many hours in the day. And if you need to eat to live, if you need to pay your rent you're gonna have to devote time to other things and if you love artists and what they do you should want to you should want them to get paid so they keep doing it you know i don't know this is such a fucking like deep crazy fucking topic you know it's so fucking it's so fucking like heavy um yeah, with the artists with the artists and the creators at the bottom. It's bogus. It is bogus, dude. That is bogus. Why isn't this showing up? Hold on a second. That parody was hilarious. What parody? It's a pyramid scheme. Um, with the artists and the creators at the bottom, it's bogus. YouTube has great monetary deals. YouTube I don't know I mean I don't know what it is on the music side like I know you can release your music directly onto YouTube but um, we can get really boned on these streams sometimes like for instance great example Ah, what was that here's a great example of something that happened to me Um, my my scream my scream review I did a review of scream that got the people who own scream or whatever like the, the, the studio they flagged my my podcast my talking head podcast they flagged me as um as 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 their content they said my my 2 hour podcast was their stuff spot of uh youtube froze my video took it down gave me a strike on my channel and i had to miss they didn't have to put any time marks or anything they didn't have to show me what their ip was they um All they had to do. Oh, thank you. Um, All they had to do was um, was just say that it was theirs. They didn't have to prove it in any way, shape or form. They didn't have to show time codes or anything. I lost three weeks, three weeks. Now, these my videos don't get a lot of views, but it's not about views. It's about watch hours. And every video that I does contributes to the income that I make every month. And not having that, that video at that time was very frustrating. You know, I don't know how much money I lost, but it's still, it's like, it's annoying. I did get the video. The video is back up. You can watch it if you want. If you haven't seen scream, the point is, is that um, even YouTube has YouTube is, is there's, there's, for instance, a great example. If I say certain words, you know how I'm always like dodging words on here. If I say certain words, then um I'm going to get stifled in the algorithm. They're going to bury me. They'll bury me if I use certain words, you know, like that's not fair. That friggin' sucks. Do I still need YouTube? Of course I do. Um, Should it be different? Should it be like, should there be better, better um, like things in place to protect the people that are creating the content? Yes, for sure. Um, I also don't think that, I I mean, I would love to get to a place where this was my only source of revenue, but I also don't expect to make all my money here, you know, at least not yet. I'm about to break a thousand videos on this channel, I think. It's weird because one of my counters says that I'm at 994. And then the the another one, when I search my, my name on YouTube, it says like 740 something. So I'm not sure which number is which. I need to take a sip of seltzer. You guys got me on this tangent. We're supposed to end the stream. You mutter, mutter efforts. Um, Patreon. Yeah. See, Patre- well, Patreon is the new thing, man. I mean, Patreon is how Patreon is another example of 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 revenue. And it's also democratizing the ability for an artist to make money for themselves using the Internet. Patreon's a wonderful platform. If you market yourself, you can make a living. I speak from experience. I pull in four figures a month. But if they paid me 0.006 cents for my work, I wouldn't do it. So how about that? I mean, there you go. Great example. Great example. Shit. Am I getting um, frozen? I I do. I think they should unionize. Thank you for the donation, Chris. I got uh, this is from the Ko-Fi stream bot. Thank you for your donation, Chris. Much appreciated. Dagger says that um, says that they left the music industry a long time ago. Dagger is a, a DJ, DJ Dagger love. Um, oh my God, this thing keeps freezing on me. Ah. My grandfather, who was a musical composer, was in a music union, and I guarantee you, he would have choice words for Spotify. <clears throat> there should be, dude. There, you know what? You know what? I. Well, this is this is what it would be. This is what it would be. It would be um uh a union for uh or it would be like a digital music rights uh digital music rights union for for musicians and artists, and that's what it would be. And it would give certain there would be certain um. You know what there would be? There would be certain financial standards. If you have a business like Spotify or whatever, that you need to pay a minimum royalty. And you know what I think part of the problem is? And and this is what part of this is what part of the problem is. Part of, of, of what Ace is talking about, part of like the whole enchilada is that record labels are also still in control of some of these catalogs that are on Spotify. If more artists were in control of their their catalogs, and then if all of those artists then united and banded together and left the platform and then demanded, look, we are not going to put our music back on until uh, we get this standard thing. Or if they form a union and then the union reps go to Spotify. No, that's what you do. You form a union, the union rep goes to Spotify and says, listen, all the artists that are part of this union, they're all going to pull their music at the same time. If you don't increase the rate, that's how it would work. I mean, that's what it would be. That's what it would have to fucking be. I think truly. Um, a sent me a D. Okay. Peace out, Ace. Thanks for contributing. Dagger does have music on Spotify. Um, don't, Dagger, where can I, Dagger, I want to hear your music. I got rid of Spotify when they switched the need to needing a Facebook account to join. I don't stream music. Music is worthless if it's not on vinyl. I'm glad you guys could come to an agreement that vinyl is life. I agree too. Um, Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Dagger, where can I hear your music? I would love to hear Dagger's music. Dagger, you've been on this channel for how long and you've never told us that you made music. Let's let's hear it. I stick with physical media. The instant convenience of digital has too many downsides. Hmm. Um, I think that's the end. Is this the end of the article? Let me see. Yeah, we reached the end of the article. Blah, blah, blah. blah, blah. Yeah, we, we finished the article. So that's it. That's it. We, we ended again with Spotify. That's two shows in a row. I want to thank everybody in the comments. Thank you. Thank you, Chris, for your support. Um, thank you for everybody who commented. Dagger, show us your music, buddy. Please I want to see it. Um, tune in next time. Like I said, we have a really, really big guest coming on the show. And we'll, we'll be having Ace on the show. And Steve Conti from the New York dolls is going to be on the show (coughs) and I still need to uh, get that Miguel. I have to get Miguel Nunez from return of living dead and John Penny from return of living dead and Brian Usna of reanimator fame. All, all those shows have been taped and I just haven't gotten to them yet. All of it's coming. I may be back tomorrow for another stream. We will see it's friggin' It's not late. It's actually kind of early, but I need to get into bed Friggin' tired, man tired i've been going all day actually i haven't been going all day i've just been sitting in this basement but you know what i mean um speaking of patreon patreon is a wonderful wonderful thing and that's something that i use and you should check it out oh my god we forgot to go to our sponsor real quick oh my god i'm like not even thinking we have we have a sponsor here riotstickers.com they uh they handle all of our printing needs as you can see. As you can see, the banner right here, the from us banner, handled by riot, uh, sharpie riot himself at riot stickers.com. We're running a special promotion with them right now. You can get 50 stickers at RiotStickers.com for $29.50. It's normally $59. That is a serious uh, savings. It's 50% off. You're not gonna find a better deal. Uh, go to the promo code. Sorry, go to the link down in the description and enter in the pro- promo code FRUMIS, FRUMESS, F R U M E S S to get access to this awesome deal. Let's watch a sixty-second video um, from one of the Less Than Jake guys. He wrote this song. Well, it wasn't he? Didn't, he didn't make the video, but he wrote the song. Stickers.com, right? Stickers, we the bomb, we're clocking out at two hours here again. Great show! Um, my ears are so stuffed, I can't even like hear out of them properly, which sucks. Um, wonder what's streaming on Shudder. I gotta go check that out. Um, I don't know, there's nothing else to say. So, as I said, Patreon time, we're gonna do the Patreon piece and hair grease, like always. Hey guys, what's going on? It's Jeff. So I've decided to make a Patreon. What is Patreon? I don't know how to define a Patreon. Let me look it up. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it very easy for creators to get paid for the things that they're already creating. I want to do it full-time. I want this to be my full-time job. In my efforts to make that happen, I've set up this platform. Is it going to work? Is it going to be successful? I don't know. But I would rather try and crash and burn than not try at all. The goal is to create enough passive revenue so that I can continue to do this full-time And believe me, there's a couple of choice pieces. Most of all, more than anything, whether you join the Patreon or not, I just wanna thank each and every one of you that comes to the channel, that watches all the shows, that leaves comments, that participates, that subscribes. That's really the most important thing. This is just trying to find a way to earn a living as an artist. And with that, thank you for my TED Talk. Join the Patreon, because we need you! 66 cents.